Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Good morning, Calvary. So good to see you. Grab your Bibles with me if you would, please. Turn to Acts chapter 16, whether you have it in a print or a digital form. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online or maybe by way of television or podcast. So good to have you with us today. We have been in a series of messages that we are calling a new season. And our emphasis, kind of our focus, has been on the work of the Holy Spirit and the work the Holy Spirit does in our lives and looking at experiences of how this happened, primarily in the book of Acts. And one of the things that we want to really kind of focus on is that the work of the Holy Spirit is something that happens in our lives on a daily basis. Oftentimes, we think the Holy Spirit is an it, kind of just floating around out here. When scripture shows us the Holy Spirit is God, he is a person who is at work in our lives day after day after day, and I'm thankful for that. Anybody else? And here's the premise we've been working off of, that new seasons emerge from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. When we have a new season that comes into our life, into our home, into our families, our workplace, our spiritual lives, our schooling, wherever it is that we need something new from God, these things emerge from a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And we've been kind of building a prayer as we've worked through this series. Today, this is how we're praying. Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your Holy Spirit bring to me, and this is our focus for today, discernment for direction. There are these moments that will come in our lives where what we need from God is clarity. We need to know how he is leading us. What we need is discernment for direction. And this is kind of part two, if you will, to where we were last week, because last week we talked about obstacles, that sometimes in our faith or our spiritual journey or just the the everyday lives that we live, we will come up against obstacles that we have to overcome. Now, sometimes those obstacles, if, if we step back and look at them, they're obvious. Like there are times when I can look at things in my life and I go, oh, I know why there's an obstacle there, because I didn't do the right thing. I made a mistake. Sometimes it's just, it's flat out sin where you just go, that's the thing that stopped me. Sometimes it's just poor planning. Have you ever planned something and then after, afterwards realized I should have done that different? Anybody? <laughs> right? It's not an obstacle as much as it's, I just, I just should have done it different. And sometimes it's a lack of effort. It's like, man, if I, if I just given it a little bit more, I might've overcome that obstacle. And I'm like all those things are true. But last week we looked at obstacles that are to be avoided. They're, they're avoidable if we'll ask the Spirit to help us. And we, we won't go through those again. You, you can go back and catch that on our website or go out to YouTube and find that there. Today, what we wanna look at, though, are some obstacles that can come our way, sometimes in our spiritual lives, that are honestly just out of our control. If there's a question we're gonna consider today, this is it. What do you do when God does not do what you want him to do? Anybody? <laughs> Been there? Where there's these moments where you have a plan, you have a strategy, you want things to go a certain way, and then all of a sudden you realize that's not what's happening, and you have to ask yourself the question, what do you do when God does not do what you want him to do? I think if we're honest, most of us have been there at some point. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make a jump today. We're going from Acts chapter 11, where, where we've been building up to, and we're gonna jump to Acts chapter 16. Now there's a lot that happens in between there, And we'll go back and hit a few of those things. We'll look at them again as we kind of go through this series. But today we're jumping from Acts 11 to Acts 16 because it makes sense as we're talking about these obstacles. We're also making a jump 
from Peter as the main character in the book of Acts now to Paul as the main character in the book of Acts. So we're gonna look at Paul's life. And if you're not familiar with Paul, and if you haven't read the book of Acts, boy, I encourage you. It's, it's one of my favorites, lots of, lots of stories. It encourages you about how God can use the church. So you, you've got what happens in Acts chapter nine, Paul becomes a Christian. And then before we get to where we're at today, he becomes a missionary and he goes out on a missionary journey. We call it Paul's first missionary journey with a guy named Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas were partners in ministry. They go out, they come back and they tell these incredible stories of how God led them, how God started churches, how God used them. Now, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas at the end of 15 choose to go two different ways and Paul is starting his second missionary journey on his own and here's what we read. Acts chapter 16, verse six. Paul and his companions, that would be like Silas, Timothy, Luke, names that you might have heard from scripture. They're with Paul on this trip. They traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. They, they were kept by the Holy Spirit. Somehow God put up a roadblock. He closed the door from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They wanted to go to Asia, couldn't go there. Spirit stopped them. So when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now we don't know all those places, but, but it, would, it would be like Paul wanted to go preach the gospel in Michigan, because we know they need it, amen? So, so anyways, it's a joke, it's a joke. So like, so he's, tr he's trying to go to Michigan and then somehow, we don't know how, was it a prophecy? Was it something physical that happened? Was it just something in their spiritual gut that kept, we don't know what it was, but somehow they were kept from going to this other geographic region. It was clear to them. So they, the, the spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, same spirit, different names. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't know about you, but when I read that passage of scripture, I'm frustrated for Paul, because he had a master plan, and it made sense on paper when you looked at the map. So we're gonna go, because the goal was start new churches in places where there aren't churches. And then on his way there, he gets stopped. Not there, closed door. Well, then we'll go here. Nope, not there, you can't go there. But then maybe we'll go, nope, can't go there. Anybody ever been frustrated before? <laughs> like I feel it when I read that because Paul's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do what God has called him to do and it seems like he keeps hitting a closed door here and a brick wall there and a roadblock here. What do you do in moments like that? When God doesn't do what you want him to do, it might be wise for us, and this is how we're gonna kinda break down our time today, to look at two questions. Here's two questions to ask when you're in some of those frustrating seasons. The first question is this, why not now? Like, cause Paul's trying to do the right things, but he's being stopped. And he's like, God, why, why not now? Why isn't now the right time to do the things that we feel like you've put in our heart? And if it's not now, then the second question is what next? Like if I can't do that, then what should I be doing? Why not now? And then what next? So, so let's look at these questions. First, we're gonna start with why, why not now? And here's the deal. I wanna show you some things that God might be doing 
during that season when the door is closed, some things that God might be working during the time that you're not seeing what you wanted to see. Now, here's something that's good to remember. Sometimes it's not wise for us to try to figure it out in the middle of the time because we probably won't. What's the Bible say? Hindsight's 2020. Bible doesn't say that. That's just, but you've heard that before, right? Like oftentimes there's things we only understand looking back on them. But I wanna encourage you that during those moments when the door is closed, it could be that God is working something out for his glory and for your blessing. So, so let me show you five ways God might be working in your waiting. Five ways that God might be working in your waiting. Here's the first one, number one. Let's just call it divine protection. There may be times when a door is closed and you're frustrated because you wanted to run through that door, but God closed it because he's trying to protect you from something. Have you ever had that happen? Where you look back and you go, man, if I had gotten what I wanted, it might have really messed me up. Like this is a biblical principle. Deuteronomy uh, chapter seven, there's this passage where the children of Israel are getting instructions before they go into the promised land. We, we've talked about this recently. So they're on their way into the promised land and here's some instructions. The Lord will drive out those nations before you little by little. Don't you love that? I don't like anything little by little. I like all at once. That's the blessing I want. I want the microwave anointing, anybody? But give it to me now, because I don't want to have to work for it. I don't want to have to wait for it. I, I want it. And yet, look at what he says here. He says, look, th those nations that are in front of you, before you can fully have the promised land, you're going to have to fight and you're gonna have to work because I'm gonna drive them out little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. He's saying, look, I, I know that this is not gonna be easy, but the alternative is worse. <laughs> if, I, if I don't keep these nations that you have to conquer taking care of the places I wanna give to you, then by the time you get there, the wild animals will have taken care of them. They will have destroyed them. And what you'll find is worse if you had just gotten it all at once than if I give it to you little by little. So realize in the process, I'm bringing you divine protection. And God does that in our lives sometimes. Like I can look back in my life on friendships that I wanted, relationships that I wanted, that now I look back and go, God, those things never happened and you were protecting me from something through that. Anybody else know what I mean? There was this season of time when the church, when Calvary was going to be given this piece of property. We're gonna be given this building and boy, this, this goes back years and years and years ago before we were here in this location. And I remember us thinking, this is so cool because we're gonna be given this piece of property. And we started dreaming and we started figuring out what we could do there and how God could use it and the doors that God would open and all those kinds of things. And in the process of getting so excited about it, the door closed. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, God, you, you got us all excited. You got us all worked up. And then it didn't happen and I'll just be real candid with you. I took it personally. Like I must have messed it up. Like there was something that I did or didn't do that kept that blessing from happening. And so I was owning it personally. 
until only later you step back and go, I know what our financial situation was at a church then. If we had been given that piece of property, knowing what I know now about HVAC units and roofs and upkeep and so many other things, if we had had that piece of property, it would have put us in a place of probably some financial ruin as a church. And not only that, but if that had happened, the door would not have been opened in the same way that when God whispered about us making the move here to Conant Street, we probably wouldn't have done it. See, what was frustrating and what I thought was a failure on my part was actually God using something to protect us from what would have kept us from his blessing later. Does that make sense? Like, I can look back 20, 30 years in my life and think of jobs that I wanted so badly. Like, I knew I wanted that job and should be in it. And now I have the hindsight to look back and go, if I had had that job, it would have wrecked me. I didn't get what I wanted. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. And for that, I'm thankful now because he was bringing divine protection. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, let me take you to the second thing. Number two, one of the ways that God might be working in your waiting, number two, it might be spiritual conflict. And we, we believe this, that when we look at scripture, we'll, we'll get to this here in a couple of weeks, actually. Ephesians chapter six tells us that we, the, the language is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You ever heard that before? But what we wrestle against, our real challenge comes from spiritual forces. That when you face some kind of conflict in life, there's actually a spiritual battle that happens. And sometimes that can create these seasons of frustration. Look at this, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. We won't read the whole context, but Daniel had prayed a prayer. And then he's wondering, why is it taking so long for my prayer to get answered? And so then he has this encounter with a heavenly being that says to him that the prince of the Persian kingdom, which is an evil spiritual force, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now look, I'm not an expert on these things, but when I read this, here's what I see. That Daniel prayed a prayer and it took three weeks for his prayer to be answered, not because God didn't hear, not because God didn't answer, but because there was spiritual conflict and battles that had to be fought before the answer to that prayer could come to him. And those are things that we need to be aware of in our lives. That sometimes the reason there's a closed door is because there's a spiritual battle that's to be fought. Because those spiritual forces are real. But we oftentimes, I don't think are aware of them because they're so familiar to us. Like the ways that the enemy works in our culture, in our civilized society, are oftentimes things that come through the media, they come through our attitudes, they come through some of our cultural practices, and so we dismiss them and fail to see that they might actually be points of spiritual conflict that are at work in our lives. Freaking anybody out yet? When I was 19, I did a, a missions trip for a couple of months in the nation of Ireland. And it was one of the turning points in my life. And uh, if you ever tell me I have to leave here, I'm going to Ireland, okay? That, I just beautiful, loved it. But I had this encounter while I, when I was there that one night our, our team was staying in this old big home and I was in there by myself in the room that I slept in and I couldn't sleep because there was this sense of fear that overcame me. And it wasn't this sense of I'm scared of something. It wasn't fear that something would happen. 
like I tangibly sensed that like fear itself was in the room. And it kept me up all night and freaked me out. And the next morning in conversation with other people in the house, they all had weird experiences too. Like it was, it was just super strange. And so I said something to the missionary later that day and I described my experience to him. And he said, oh yeah. He says, you've got to realize you're not home anymore. Like, and you're used to spiritual conflict in your home and you're fortunate that you were raised in a land that was largely based on Christian principles, amen? But, he said, there's been sacrifices made here to false gods for centuries. The, the Ireland Tourism Board loves this story, by the way. And uh, he's, he's, like, he's like, there is a spirit here that's different than what you're used to. So what you're sensing is spiritual conflict that's at work. Realize this, that's a real thing. And that sometimes the battle you're facing is not against a person it's not against a thing, but it's a spiritual battle. Now look, don't go doing this. Don't, don't go looking for the devil under every rock, okay? Because sometimes it rains and sometimes you trip and sometimes I'm gonna steal your parking place, right? That's not the devil. That's just life in a broken world. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But do recognize that there are spiritual conflicts that you and I will come head to head with that we have to be aware of. Let's, let's unpack this a little bit more. Why is this important? Because we do live in a broken world. Like in one of the clearest signs we've seen of that in a long time is what's in the headlines right now and what's happening in Ukraine. Like one of the things that I think is important for us to talk about today are some of the questions that I'm hearing about war because it's hitting us in a way, and especially for some of your kids, in a way like we've not experienced for a long, long time. And so the reality is we live in a broken world. Like I've, I've been asked, well, if God is so good, why does he let war happen? Why doesn't he just stop it? Because God is good, but our world is broken because of sin, isn't it? And because of that, things will happen that God wishes would not happen, but we live in a broken world. Let me give you kind of a silly example. Have you ever had a thought come to your mind and you say to yourself, I really wanna say this to that person, but if I say it, it'll be mean. I might hurt Tom's feelings. I know God wouldn't like it, but it's gonna feel so good. And so you say it anyways. Anybody ever done that? I'm not talking about last night. This isn't confession, just ever, ever. And then afterwards, you're like, I know I shouldn't have said that, but I did it. And you don't go, God, why didn't you stop me from saying it? You say, that was my dumb tongue, didn't you? Because there's things like that. Look, that's the world we live in. Oftentimes we say, God, why don't you stop something when the reality is that's the broken world we're in. People say things, they do things that are the result of sin and we can't expect that God's gonna stop it at every turn. Will there come a time when there is nothing but peace and God's perfect will? Yes, we're gonna call that heaven. I've got my reservations. Anybody else? I wanna go there, but that's not where I'm at right now. So that means there is evil in the world. There is conflict in the world. So then, how do Christians feel about war? Well, there's what's called a Christian just war theory. And this is kind of a, a result of studying scripture, and we won't take a lot of time with this, but all those words are important. 
Like how does a Christian look at justifying what happens in warfare and this, this theory is kind of those principles. There's two big parts to it. One is, in a Christian just war theory, you have to ask the question, when is war justifiable? And for believers, war is justifiable when it is a war of defense and not offense. If this war has been offensive, then that is not a justifiable war. But when it's one that is defensive, that's one that you see in this. So that's why most nations have largely, you've seen the world stand with Ukraine in this because they have been responding in a defensive way. Does that make sense? The other side of it that you ask is, what is a justifiable means of waging war? And that's why we have practices with regards to avoiding civilian casualties and innocent bystanders and fighting war in a way that is just in those moments. Now we could unpack a whole lot of that, but the question comes then, what does that mean for how we think, how we live, how do we talk to our kids about this? And I think it's important for us to understand there is evil in our broken world. And because of that, oftentimes, peace will actually be the exception. That you will find places and times where people battle with each other. But we do not fear because we can trust God. And when we put our trust in God, that's when we pray specifically for those who are in the midst of those conflicts. Does that make sense? Why? Because there is spiritual conflict that does happen in our world, which takes us then to number three, as we keep moving here. Third thing that's important for us to look at is what we'll refer to as number three, personal preparation. What's God doing while we're waiting? Well, sometimes it's, it's preparing us personally. Take a look at so many Bible characters, every shepherd in the Bible. You've got Abraham, You've got Joseph in prison. You've got Moses, the shepherd. You've got David, the shepherd. You've got Daniel in exile. You've got our good shepherd, Jesus himself, <clears throat> excuse me, who doesn't even start his ministry until he's 30. So he has all those years of personal preparation where God's at work in his life. And sometimes what God is doing is he's preparing you for something that's coming down the road that you don't even realize. There have been times and seasons when I've wanted God to do something, when I've wanted something from God, and it hasn't happened, and I get frustrated, but it's only later that I step back and go, oh, I couldn't have handled it. Like what God was doing was giving me strength for that moment. Oftentimes, he was building character in my life for that moment. And I need to be open to those seasons where he's preparing me. Fourth thing is what we'll call a humble dependence. Number four is a humble Dependence. Sometimes what needs to happen is before God can release something new in our lives, we have to realize it's not us, but it's him. And that our trust is in him and the work he's doing. That it wasn't just Paul's brilliant master strategy, but that God was directing it. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, tells us that we should trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. There will be times that before God can release something to you, you have to realize your need for him, which takes us to the last one of these things that God might be doing while you're waiting. Number five, we'll call a future focus. Sometimes what God is doing is trying to help you not to be so focused on where you are right now, but to see what he's trying to do in your life Next, 
So sometimes it's a future focus. Go back to our text, Acts chapter 16, verse six. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. For some reason, it was blocked. So then, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they kept running into these roadblocks. They kept coming up against closed doors. Every time they tried to go someplace, with the right intentions, with a good heart, the door kept being closed, and God kept saying no. And here's something that's really important to understand. Sometimes in life, it's more important to hear a no than it is a yes. Sometimes it's more important for us to hear a no than it is for us to hear a yes because if we always got a yes, it might mess us up, true? Like think about it, if you ever had, or some of you who have little kids in your home right now, don't you spend 23 out of the 24 hours of the day saying no, anybody? Why, it's like, no, I remember being little kids, it's like I tried to find ways to say yes because it seemed like all I ever said was no, no, don't do that, don't go there, don't touch that, leave that alone, no, 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 right? It even got to the point where I couldn't say no, I had to say no, 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 right? Just, it's just natural response, why? Because there are seasons when what you need is direction to the right thing, and that's not a yes sometimes. Sometimes what you need to hear is a no, and that's tough, because we don't like no. We don't like to be stopped. And oftentimes we, we get this mistake that if God says no now, what he really means is never. And understand this, no does not always mean never. Sometimes it means no, not right now. I have, I have very clear memories of being like 10 years old. My dad had this pickup truck and I can remember he'd be working in the garage or outside doing something around the house and he would let me sit in the pickup truck and pretend like I was driving. Anybody? Like I'd be in there, I wasn't allowed to touch the gas or the brakes, I wasn't allowed to mess with the gear shifter, but I could pretend like I was doing something with the radio and I could use the steering wheel and I was one of the Dukes of Hazard. okay? It was <laughs> awesome. And I would do that and I can remember saying, Dad, can I drive the truck 10 years old? Do you know what he said to me? No. But no did not mean never. Like I, and in fact, the blessing came before I thought it would. I think the statute of limitations is up, so I can confess that when I was 14, he would let me drive it on the old country roads. That was not legal. Because no did not mean never. It meant not right now. Like it's not wise for you right now. But understand that I'm preparing you for something different because there's a future focus that God's playing out. So that's, that's some things God might be doing in a season where you go, well, why not now, God? Like, why aren't you doing it now? Which leads us then to the next question we need to consider, which is, well, then, then what next? Like, if I can't do that now, then God, what can I do? <laughs> like, what do I do? And this is important for us to consider. So three things here to do while you wait. We talked about what God might be doing in the waiting. Let's talk about you and three things that you can do while you wait. Here's the first one. Number one, real, real simple, keep faithful. Keep doing the thing that God has you doing right now. The role you're in, the place you're at. Well, watch this again. Go back to that same text. Acts chapter 16, verse six. Paul and his companions 
traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. But do you see what they did here? They didn't say, well, we can't go to Asia, so let's just go home, or let's just stop. Apparently our mission is wrong, or we didn't plan this right. No, they kept being faithful. They kept preaching where they went. They kept looking for new places to start churches because they knew what they were called to do. And at some point, you have to ask yourself the question, just because there's a closed door, it doesn't mean you're done. Just because you're frustrated, it doesn't mean you give up. You stay faithful to what God has called you to do. In the role you're in in your home, in the place where you work, in that job you don't like, (laughs) in that place where you live, in this moment in time, don't let the closed door keep you from the thing that God has for you. You stay faithful. You keep moving. You stay faithful to what God has called you to do. And be careful. Because one of our natural responses when there's frustration is just to stop. I'm not going anywhere then. If I can't have what I want, I'm just gonna freeze it right here. And whether you're doing that because you're unsure of what to do, or maybe you wouldn't do this, but people in other services might even have a tantrum. (laughs) Say, well, God, if I can't have it, I'm done, I'm out, it's over. Look, frustration will freeze us if we're not faithful. And if you get frozen in a spot, you think you're miserable now. (laughs) I watch so many people who just get frustrated with God and so they just give up. They think he's done, they think they're done. And look, be careful because frustration will freeze you if you're not faithful. So let let me tell you just a quick little story and hopefully this will encourage you because there will be times when you'll hit roadblocks and closed doors. We talked about this at our annual business meeting that we had this last Wednesday night and really good meeting, talked through a lot of cool stuff. And one of the questions that keeps being brought up and rightfully so is what about the building? If you were with us back in like 2019, 2020, we were kind of in a season of some really fun growth as a church. In this 10 o'clock service, we, we were in a spot where we had it three different rooms and it was, it was full and it just kind of a, kind of a wild kind of season. And we felt God was leading us to add on a new auditorium. So we were gonna go out the back of the building. We were gonna build a new auditorium that was about two and a half, three times this size. And I, we walked through a, a, a capital campaign fundraising initiative in February and you got excited and we got excited and we were gonna raise money and God was gonna let us build this building. And I stood up two years ago, first Sunday in March and said, church, we're gonna do it. And you were like, yes, we can. You know, and we we're like, here we go. This is gonna be awesome kind of thing. And we're going through that. And then March 12th hit, the NBA closed and we all went, what's going on? 2020? Now what do we do? And we had this window with our lender, given the indebtedness that we had from the process of buying the building, renovating the building, all those things. We had this debt limit window And so our budget for the building was within that and we were working on that budget and over time that budget increased and then as construction supplies and supply chain issues and workers and all, you know what's going on, right? Last we heard the building that we planned at this budget would now cost literally twice that for us to build it. So we were like, boy, we we still have vision for that but you know, when, when, when God's working in our lives, there's like three things I see him do. 
You want these things to align. You want vision, vision is cool, but you also have to have wisdom, don't you? And so we have a vision for what God wants to do next, but I'm thankful for our board that has the wisdom to go, maybe this isn't the right time. Let's just let's kind of let's be patient, let's see. Let's not get frustrated though with that closed door. The third component, like you've got a vision and wisdom and then you, you listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit. So our leaders said, okay, if we can't do that, God, what can we do? And we've really felt through, through some really cool experiences, the Holy Spirit say, why don't you attack the indebtedness that you have now so that when the time comes to build that building or to do whatever God says is next, you'll be in a better financial position to do that. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So we really put our attention to that in this last year, 2021. And so we started saying, hey, what do we do? So we made our monthly payments. Good place to start, right? Then we said, what else could we do? So we looked at the resource that God has given to us. So we had the resource from the sale and leasing of our former property on Glendale. We had budget surplus from the last couple of years that were kind of different because of COVID and what couldn't be done. We also had a large bequest that came in uh, through an inheritance. And we also had some strategic savings that our team's been doing. And that, that's a long-term practice for us of saving today for what God wants to do tomorrow. And we took that and over the course of the last year, our mortgage that was at 3.7 million currently is at 960,000 was eliminated by 75%. And I'm so thankful for our board's leadership and wisdom. I'm so thankful for God's provision. And now we're at a position where we won't stand up and say, woohoo, we're debt free, but where we say, let's go God, what's next? Right? What do you wanna do? Now, one other thought that's good for me to mention here, some of you said, well, if they got that kind of money, I ain't giving anymore. That's a whole nother sermon, but you know where it goes, right? <laughs> the reason that money was available, and it's a, it's, it's a long story we walked through the other day, is because of your faithfulness in giving. I can tell you that our budget this year is tighter than it's been in any previous years of recent memory, and so your giving is not only important for the church, but you don't really give to the church. You know that, right? That's a whole nother sermon on obedience, and I'm running out of time, so let's go to the next thing. When God doesn't do what you want him to do, number one, keep faithful. Here's the second part. Number two, keep listening. Like, don't shut him out. Don't let your frustration keep you from hearing what he has to say. Keep listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 16, verse eight. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. It wasn't until those doors were closed that Paul could actually hear the priority that God had for their ministry. It was through the closed doors that God brought him to what was next, led him to where they needed to be. And I want you to be open to hearing this. You may be in a season of doors that are closed so that you will have a heart that is open. You may be in a season of doors that are closed so that when the time comes, you'll have a heart that is open. Because oftentimes we're like, well, I know what to do. I know how to move this forward. I know where to go. And God might be wanting to whisper to you, yeah, but we're gonna do it different this time. Or I have something new in store for you. There may be things you need to confront 
that your attitude's not right for yet. There may be change that's happening that you're gonna need his grace for. He may be calling you to lead and start something new, but that new vision like he gave to Paul might not come until you reach a point to realize that this door has to be dealt with in a different way. When we were doing all the renovations down here about 10 years ago or so, we were putting new doors on the auditoriums with these new locks. And I remember one day I went over to the chapel, which is across the hall. If you're not familiar, the room across the hall. And I went to open the door and it was locked. So I pulled my key out and I was trying to get it open. And the door, the lock mechanism is different for the chapel than it is over here. So I'm over there and I'm trying to figure it out. And it's got a little latch. You gotta do this thing. You gotta turn it one way. You gotta turn it the other. You gotta do a little dance while you're over there. I mean, you gotta get, you gotta get it like just right. Sorry, you had to see that. You had to get it just, just right. And, I was, and I'm, I'm over there frustrated. And somebody goes, what's the matter? I said, I can't get the chapel door open. And they said, well, did you use the key? I was like, yeah, I'm using the same key from across the hall. And they were like, well, it's a different key. We gave it to you. Oh, you gave me the different key. Yeah, we told you. You're gonna need a different key for that door. But you weren't listening. And some of you are trying to open a new door with an old key. And God is saying, I wanna do something new in your life, but you need to listen first. And you're like, but God, I planned it. I had a vision for my life. I knew exactly how it was gonna go. You know that the Spirit's voice is more important than strategic vision. And sometimes what you need isn't a master plan, you need the master's plan. For him to lead you and to guide you into the things that he has. So be open to listen and to hear what he has to say and be patient during those times. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but sometimes God does something structural before he does the supernatural. And he can work that in our lives, so do this. Keep faithful, keep listening. Third thing we see in this story is that you keep trusting, that you keep trusting in Jesus. You keep trusting that he'll lead you. That even if you've hit closed door after closed door, brick wall after brick wall, barrier and obstacle after obstacle, that you keep trusting that he's leading you. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Next week, when we, when we look a little bit more at Acts chapter 16, you're gonna see just how strategic this timing was because they needed to be in Macedonia in the city of Philippi at just the right time at the right place for the church to be born there. And that's how we get the book of Philippians in the New Testament. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for this moment when they were willing to not only be faithful and listen, but to trust that God knew what he was doing. Trust him. Why do I stress this? Because I'm actually really concerned about some of you. There, there's a nuance to this story that we don't want to forget. That Paul went through a missionary journey before this one, right? He went through the first missionary journey with Barnabas. Then at the end of chapter 15, they, they choose to go two different ways. And now Paul's on this missionary journey for the first time by himself. The first one was pretty smooth sailing. I mean, they, they faced persecution, tough times, but they had God's direction and it seemed like just one step after another, God was leading them. And now Paul's on his own, he's the leader now, and it's not working out. <laughs> like they're not getting everywhere. It, it's brick wall after brick wall. And I don't know if Paul felt this way, but I sure know I would that if I was in that spot, I'd say, it must be me. I must be the problem. Because this isn't how it was before. 
So I must have messed it up. Or I must not have enough faith. I probably just don't have what it takes. And you start looking at a frustrating moment and stop trusting God and listen to the voice of the enemy or just the one that's been in your head for a long time telling you that you're a failure. If we are not careful, we may confuse frustration for failure. And can I tell you that when you hit those closed doors, there's a good chance it's not because you're a failure, but because God is working something out in your life because he knows what he wants to do tomorrow. Does that make sense? So here's my prayer for you. Trust that today's frustration is leading you to tomorrow's fruitfulness. Don't give up at the closed door. Don't, don't tap out at the brick wall. But be willing to say, God, I'm gonna keep trusting you. In the midst of this frustration, I'm gonna keep trusting you. God, I'm gonna hold on to you in this because I believe I'm not a failure, but you're at work, and so I trust in you. Here, here's what I felt real strongly in praying about this message is that I know it's not, it's not all of us, but I guarantee you it's some of us that you're sitting there going, God, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Like, I feel like I'm frustrated, this closed door, this brick wall, and I'm having a hard time staying faithful and listening and trusting. And you may say, God, today I needed to hear this. Then my challenge to you is do more than just hear it, but to take a step of faith about it. Look, if you're watching online or watching this on television, not only are we so glad that you joined us, but I really believe that the Holy Spirit has the ability to meet you right where you are right now. So in a moment, you might wanna take some step of faith. You might wanna stand up or raise a hand or kneel where you're at or, 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 or hold hands with somebody with you and believe together. Like, that's, that's cool. But specifically for those of you here, Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, in just a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing a song. And when we do... I'm gonna call some of you to do something that takes a step of courage. I'm gonna ask you just to step out of your seat and come and stand down here and we're gonna to pray together in just a moment. And you'd say, well, Chad, why on earth would I do that in front of all these people in Auditorium 2? Just to step out of your seat and head to the front of, of Auditorium 2 and stand there and to join us in prayer together from that room. Why would we do this? Because I really do believe that sometimes a spiritual breakthrough requires a physical response. Like there's sometimes when that step of faith means I literally take a step of faith. And I put myself in a physical spot where I say, God, I'm not just gonna talk and think about this. I'm gonna act and believe that I'm gonna meet you here and that you're gonna do something. For some of you, if you're gonna keep trusting, the biggest step you could take would be to come down here and we'll pray together in just a moment. But to believe that today's a day that starts unlocking those doors and breaking down those walls and, and moving past that frustration and saying, God, today, in a whole new way, we trust you. It may be that you come by yourself. It may be that you're sitting with a friend who's gonna come with you. It may be that there's spouses who need to hold hands and take this walk together. It may be that you've never taken a step to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And there's no moment better than right now to say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. I give my life to you. But in just a moment, we start singing this song. And I, I know it's not everybody. But man, I'm sure it's somebody. That if you would say, God, today, I put my trust in this frustrating season. I put my trust in you.
then I'm encouraging you to come and join us down here. We're gonna pray together. Before we sing, would you stand with me? And Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us even when we hit a closed door, Holy Spirit, you can come and give us discernment for your direction. You can guide us and lead us in the things that you have in store. And some of my friends are not only frustrated, disappointed, but Lord, today they're seeking for you to bring hope and peace and restoration and grace to their lives. And so Father, would you meet us here? Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do as we trust in you today? In Jesus' name. If that's you as we sing this song, would you step out of your seats, come and join us here, and we're gonna pray together. And faithful you are. Oh, and faithful forever you will be. Name. As much as you can, could you move towards the center? Let's make room for those that are coming. of you that have like taken this walk you didn't you didn't come down here for me to do something for you you came down here for him to do something for you 
So we're gonna pray together in just a moment, but here's where I'd love for us to start. I'd love for us to start by you talking to God. You taking a moment right now, whether you wanna lift your voice, lift your hands, close your eyes, whatever you wanna do, but right here, right now, would you just begin? And the point of your closed door, the point of your frustration, would you just give it to him right now? God, this is where I'm at. God, this is what's going on. Can I ask the rest of us in the room in an auditorium too, would you just extend a hand forward? And would you pray for open doors? Would you pray for provision? Would you pray for faith? Many of you have, have been in this spot before and seen God respond and seen God step in. And so we pray together. Thank you, Lord. Lift your voice. Pray for him to open doors. Pray for him to bring provision. Pray for him to offer healing. Pray for him to give answers. Pray for him to step in, to bring direction, to supply for need. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your word says your Holy Spirit will come alongside of us and that you can teach us, that you can speak to us. Right now, even for some of us, you're bringing discernment for the direction in our lives. You're providing new keys for closed doors. You're giving points of opportunity. You're filling people with courage. You're helping us to trust you for resource. You're, you're helping us believe that there are things that you have ahead. Lord, that when we're seeing what seems to be hearts that won't change or things that won't be different or, or ways that won't move forward, you're reminding us that you are the God who opens closed doors. You make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, for my friend who's really frustrated today, Lord, would you help that frustration to not freeze them from what you wanna do? God, that it wouldn't cause them to think that they're a failure or that you've forgotten them, but instead, Lord, in this moment, would you, would you stir up strength and confidence? Lord, would you fill their hearts with a peace that they'll walk out of here and not be able to understand, God, exactly what you've done, but you're at work. And Lord, we pray that we will hear stories coming out of these moments right now that happened today, that you're gonna do things in the future and we'll know it began with a step of faith that said, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I put my life in your hands. We know that you are faithful today and faithful forever you will be, that your promises are yes and amen, that we can put our hope in you and so, Lord, in this moment, would you turn frustration into faith? Would you give courage where it's needed? Lord, would you help people to take the steps that you're calling them to? Would you restore marriages? And God, would you heal families? And God, would you allow businesses to see your favor? And would you give wisdom to students? And God, would you bring healing to bodies? And Lord, would you give direction in ways that we couldn't have imagined? Would you give new keys for new doors? And Lord, in these places where we've, felt like maybe you'd forgotten us. Instead, would we be able to look back and see just how faithful you've been all along? Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your help in our lives. Lord, may we not forget the work you've done here today. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And together, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. One more time, let's thank him for what he does in our lives.
Those of you that have kind of taken this step of faith, this room, A2, watching on a screen somewhere, don't, don't let this just sit here. Share this with somebody, maybe even encourage somebody or pray with somebody before you go. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.